Well, hello, Faith Covenant. My name is Kevin Rognus, and I am the Discipleship Director here at Faith Covenant Church. And I'm very excited to welcome you once again to the Faith Focus Weekly Discipleship Podcast. I'm always excited to have people listening. So if you ever have any comments or questions or topics that you want to talk about, please let me know. You can find my email address in the comments section down below. And I just really hope that this is a really useful tool for you. I just want to remind you, too, that you always have the option to subscribe to the podcast on YouTube or any of your favorite podcast platforms to make sure that you get the episodes every single week, because I want to make sure that this resource is available to you. Well, one of the main things that we cover here on the podcast, of course, is discipleship. It's right in the name. And here at Faith, we think of discipleship as being walking with God, with others, with God, with God's Word. And there's a lot of ways that we can do that and a lot of ways that we can help each other learn. Of course, getting into the Bible is a wonderful way of doing that, and I shared a little bit last week about a, diff uh, about a particular Bible method called SOAP that we can use to delve into Scripture. Another way that we can kind of delve into the Bible is by reading other books that help us kind of investigate different issues of Scripture and look at things perhaps in a different way. So today that's what I'm going to be talking about with this book called Until Unity by Francis Chan. You may have heard of some of Francis Chan's other books, um, including Crazy Love. That was a really, really popular one of his. Um, but Francis is a very powerful speaker, pastor, church planter, missionary, um, and uh, his writing is very compelling and um, definitely invites people to really think deeply about scripture and things like that. So I read this book recently about unity in the church and there was so much of it that I felt that I wanted to share with people and so I thought what better thing to do than share some of it on the podcast. So I'm just going to be going through this book and reading some of the um, reading a few quotes from the book and sharing some of the insights that it made me start thinking of, as well as just kind of getting into some of the questions that this book brought up for me. Because again, I just think it's really helpful um, to just think of things in different ways sometimes and be challenged by different books or different ideas, even if we don't ultimately end up agreeing with what a writer or a speaker may say. So, um, you know, I hope this uh, maybe inspires you to think about reading this book a little, maybe on your own. Um, but I also recognize that a lot of you don't necessarily have time to read. So that's part of why I'm sharing something that I think is important with you all today. So um, I'm just going to go ahead and jump in and look at some of the things that we see in this book. And one of the first things that I found interesting that Chan wrote in his introduction is that he identifies our lack of praise for God sometimes as being a reason for division. And he writes this, Our lack of praise may actually be the biggest cause of our divisions. Once we stop worshiping, all hope for unity is lost. This is what unites us. We can't stop talking about the treasure we have in Jesus. I thought that was just such an extraordinary uh, quote to really look at and think about because it kind of made me realize, well, of course that makes sense. Of course we're going to have more unity as a church when we're focused on just praising Jesus 
and telling the world how amazing Jesus is. So that really struck a chord with me early on in the book and had me thinking, okay, this is something that's definitely worth reading. He also um, shares some of the problems that he thinks that we have sometimes in the church. And he says this, we need to stop thinking that our primary duty toward our fellow believers is to critique them. It's not. Our primary duty is to love them. And that really struck a chord with me because I know sometimes I struggle with that. I sometimes think, okay, what do people need to be taught? What do people need to learn in the church, myself included? I often am critiquing myself, but I have to remember that my primary duty in the church, not just because I'm a staff person, but just because I'm part of the body of Christ, is just to love other people that are in my church. That's what it's about, just loving one another, not critiquing them, loving them. And certainly, there are going to be times when we are called to um, share, hey, you're maybe not doing something that's according to God's word. We are to call each other out, and we are to help each other learn. But first and foremost, the main priority is to love people. And I think that's really important. A few weeks ago, I had the opportunity to preach about Trinity, and so I don't know how much you remember about that if you got the chance to watch that sermon, but we talked a lot about how God is Trinity, three persons in one, God the Father, God the Spirit, and God the Son. And it's hard for us to fully wrap our minds around that, but it's important to have a little bit of background on that because understanding that relational nature of God helps us to understand why we are relational. And that's part of what Francis Chan is writing about later on in the book when he says this, we are not just standing on the outside and staring at a person in adoration. He, God, calls us to actually enter him, be filled of him, partake of him. We were created in such a way that this is possible. Belief in the atoning death of Christ recreates us to make this a reality. And that comes from 2 Corinthians 5.17. God's desire is to be perfectly one with you, but not just you. The prayer of Christ is that his creation would enjoy what they are created for, a perfect unity between Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and all whom Jesus saved. So what he is saying here, what Francis Chan is writing, is that because God is created in this perfect unity and we are created to be like God, God wants us as a church, as a church around the world, not just the local church, all of Christendom around the world to be united. Why? Because God is united. The three persons of the Trinity are united in God, and so that's why it's so important that we seek unity in all, at all times. And I just really appreciated the way that Francis Chan phrased this because it helped clarify some of that for me and was really instructive for me. We also uh, get to understand more about God's character, or at least I did when Francis wrote this. I say Francis as if I'm on first, <laughs> first name basis with him, um, but Francis writes this, 
God has never been a God who merely wanted us to intellectually believe truths and begrudgingly obey commands. He wants true love. The kind of love where you become so perfectly one that you begin to feel what he feels. In fact, this is one of the reasons the Spirit dwells in us. His indwelling creates an inseparable oneness. I thought that was just such a captivating passage because it talked about um, a few things. One of them was the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The Holy Spirit is something that Pastor Brad defined a while ago in one of his sermons as the personal presence of God. So that personal presence dwells in us, and as Chan writes, his indwelling creates an inseparable oneness. God wants to be with us so much that he gives us his personal presence to be with us at all times. I just love that. I thought that was so great to kind of be reminded of that. It's something that I forget so easily, unfortunately. So then uh, later in his book, Francis Chan is writing about a lot of things, um, but one thing he mentioned is that true Christians are really going to be fully committed to God. They believe that God is their Savior and their Lord. So it's not just about believing that God will save you. It's also about treating Jesus as Lord. What does that mean? <laughs> well, to treat Jesus as Lord means that we will obey God and follow Jesus' commands. So it's not just a matter of believing that Jesus saves us, but it's also treating Jesus as Lord of our lives. And so with that bit of context, Francis Chan writes this, Jesus did not give any room for a Christian who accepts him as Savior, but is still deciding whether or not he can be Lord. We've created a category of Christians that doesn't exist. The true believer must also acknowledge Jesus as Lord. So that's a big part of unity, according to Francis Chan, is that we can't just be people who that believe that Jesus is only here to save us. Jesus is also here to lead us and to guide us through that Holy Spirit, through that personal presence of God. And I just thought that was such an interesting point to make. Then let's see, on later, um, Francis also is writing a lot about the mission of the church, how our job is to go evangelize to the world. Why do we do that? Well, we do that because, as the gospel says, we have good news. The very word gospel in its original Greek translation means good news. What is that good news? Well, to get to the good news, we kind of have to start with some of the bad news which, in a nutshell, is that the world is broken and that unless Jesus saves us, we're headed for a bad place, a.k.a. hell. So, when we're talking about that, we have to remember that the mission of the church is to save people from that, to save people so that they can uh, start a relationship with Jesus and join with Jesus for all eternity. And so when he's talking about mission, Francis Chan says, 
The more we neglect our mission, the less chance we have of seeing true unity. Unity is a byproduct of mission. And then in a moment, he explains further about mission and how churches are sometimes forgetting this because they're maybe focused more on programming or um, having numbers of people or just having the best music. And all those things may be good things, but again, the focus has to be this mission. And he writes this, like a marriage that has no purpose, many churches have forgotten the point of their existence. They can quickly focus on the complaints of their people rather than the cries of the lost. We sometimes get more emotional over Christians leaving to go to a different church than we do about people dying and going to hell. Something is horribly wrong when we grieve more deeply over people rejecting us than those who reject their Messiah. That was very convicting for me um, because I've sometimes been upset by the idea that people might like a different church better than our church. Even if it's a good church, even if it's a gospel-centered, Bible-believing church, I'm sometimes wondered, oh, what could we have done differently to get them here? That's not the point. And this passage reminds me that. I'm very thankful for Francis Chan writing that because it's convicting. And I just want to repeat this. Something is horribly wrong when we grieve more deeply over people rejecting us than those who reject their Messiah. Oh, that hit me. That just reminded me that the purpose of the church is not only, or not even primarily, to serve the people within our doors. It's to serve the people outside of these walls. So we need to be getting out there and making sure that people are hearing about the good news of Jesus Christ. Francis Chan also writes that we often get really wrapped up in our own ideas of what is good and what is effective. And certainly we should work hard and there's an appropriate time to measure the success or failure of our efforts. That's not entirely something that we need to throw away. But ultimately I'm reminded something of what that Pastor Brad often says. We're not called to be uh, effective, we're called to be faithful. We're called to be obedient. We're not judged by the results of what we do. We're, it's more about obeying God and following God. And so along those lines, Francis Chan writes this, the, uh, the lesson of the story is that no matter how good or logical it seems, it is never appropriate to modify God's commands in light of human reasoning. At the root of that kind of behavior is pride, thinking that somehow in our wisdom we have considered something God neglected to notice. God treats this presumption as idolatry. This too was really convicting for me as I read this because I often do that. I often think, okay, what is going to be the most effective? What's the smartest thing that I can do right now? And certainly God has blessed us with different gifts and intelligence and wants us to use those thoughtfully for the kingdom. But ultimately what we need to be doing first is thinking, okay, how can I best follow God? That's going to be the thing that produces the most unity. 
because when God is orchestrating all of us and leading all of us toward him, we're going to end up with unity. But if I'm focused on following my own ideas of what is effective, my ideas might vary from your ideas about what is effective. You may be agreeing with that as you listen to this podcast and be thinking, Kevin, you should be doing something else today. But if we are thinking of my ideas of effectiveness and your ideas of effectiveness, even if we have the same intent and the same goals, if we're not walking on a path that God has led us, we're going to end up going in different directions. And that's not necessarily going to be a united thing. Francis Chan also writes, My responsibility is not to understand why. My responsibility is to be obedient. And sometimes that's really hard for us, right? Because sometimes we're thinking, oh no, I know this approach to be effective. I've seen this bring people into the church or I've seen God work in this way before, so I'm gonna do that same thing again. Well, no. First, we have to listen to to God and follow how God is leading. Even if it seems completely abstract, I think of Jonah when I think of that, because Jonah was called to go minister to the Ninevites, who were like the biggest heathens of the time in Jonah's world. They were the people least likely to accept God's word. Jonah wasn't called to be effective. He was called to be obedient. And he was surprised when he found out that the Ninevites were receptive to God's word. It was completely against everything that Jonah thought would be effective. So that's something that's very important for us to remember, especially in terms of unity. Sometimes things don't work out the way that we expect them to, but God is orchestrating things in ways that might surprise us. Prayer is obviously a big part of anything that we do in Christian life, but it's going to be a big part of Christian unity. And Francis Chan wrote about that and said something really amazing that just really was really compelling and convicting to me. And um, to give some context, Francis Chan was writing about how difficult it can be for us to look at church unity because there is so much uh, disparity and there's so many different churches and denominations around the world. And that can be very discouraging for for us to look at. We can say, wow, that's a really big problem. And so Francis Chan writes this, Therein lies my problem. I keep looking at people. This isn't about talking people into unity. It's about praying like Jesus prayed. My disbelief came from spending too much time thinking about how to convince people and not enough time praying in faith. Are we saying there is something too difficult for God to do? Let's pray as Jesus prayed, that they may all be one. Let's trust that our prayers can uh, can change us all. Wow, (laughs) that was something I definitely needed to hear, to pray like Jesus prayed. And that's not necessarily something that applies just to church unity. I think of all sorts of things. I think of global peace, the conflict in Ukraine, the global need for clean water, the local food insecurity crisis that we're facing here locally in Burnsville. 
These are all really big problems, and I can look at that problem and go, wow, that's really big, or I can do this, and I'm going to read part of it again. It's about praying like Jesus prayed. My disbelief came from spending too much time thinking about how to convince people and not enough time praying in faith. Let's pray in faith as Jesus prayed that they may all be one. Ah, that just gets me. Just this idea of looking at a problem and saying, that's bigger than me. So what am I going to do it? Do about it? I'm going to pray like Jesus prayed. That is a wonderful starting point and a lot more encouraging because Jesus prayed about things. Jesus actually brought God concerns and said, God, this is what I hope is done. And that's what we can do as well. Now, I kind of hinted at it, but sometimes, uh, well, and part of the quotes that we covered hint at it as well, but sometimes our own pride gets in the way. I know that happens to me. That ha- I was thinking about my pride getting in the way of things just this past weekend, just a couple of days ago. Um, but I think we sometimes do that in church because a lot of us have been in the church for years, for decades, and we've learned a lot. We do know a lot. And there are some things in the Bible that we think we know all the answers about. And certainly, God gives us a lot of important answers, but not quite all of them. And so sometimes it's possible for us to get arrogant and prideful about the things that we know or about the doctrinal positions that we have. So Francis Chan is addressing that kind of pride when he writes this. You may consciously or subconsciously believe that you've got everything right and that the beliefs of other people or denominations must be completely unfounded to the point where you will not even engage in an open conversation with someone of a different view. This kind of pride is only going to hinder you from hearing the spirit of truth. If God gives grace to the humble, it's hard to imagine that those who are most arrogant would be the most accurate. And oof, that really hit me. (laughs) Because there have been times where I've been so arrogant or prideful that I'm just like, I don't even want to consider or engage in another person's idea. Now, this doesn't mean that we're going to end up agreeing with that person, and we may know or be very confident from the get-go that that person is very much wrong in their doctrinal statements or their ideas. But if we can't listen to that person and have an open conversation with them, we're missing out on an opportunity to be united with them. And that is a big problem. We have to be ready to have an open conversation. He also writes this challenging question. Do you really think you have 100% correct theology? If so, that's a scary place to be. I think that's a really good reminder for us to just always be aware that we make mistakes. We can be wrong about things. And even if we're right about something, we can go about being right in the wrong way, in a way that distances people and pushes them away. Instead, we want to um, have humility because Francis writes, all of us have an incomplete, flawed knowledge of God. Without humility, we will never have unity. 
More importantly, without humility, we cannot be in a right relationship with God. And that was so striking to me too. None of us are ever going to completely perfectly understand the Bible. And if we recognize that, that's a great step on the way to, uh, to unity. Humility is a big step on the way to unity. And another big point that Francis Chan makes throughout the book, um, and this is kind of what I'll close with, um, but he kind of writes about how important relationships with one another are. Church is not intended to just be a place where uh, we come in and worship, we sing songs together, we take communion together, and then we go our ways. No. Church is intended to be a place where we are in relationship with each other. We are intended to be friends and family with one another. We need to be establishing relationships with one another and getting to know one another. Because when we don't have those relationships, that's when division starts. And he, uh, Francis Chan puts it simply and says, Our divisions usually aren't caused by a difference in theology, but a lack of relationship. And oh, I found that super interesting because even when I do have divisions of theology with people, I can still be united with them if I have a relationship with them. And that's what I've experienced time and time again is people that I have a difference of opinion with, I can still have a lot of unity with them if I first make it a priority to get to know them and establish that kind of relationship with one another. If we view each other as family members that we um, need to stay close with and need to love, it makes it a lot easier for us to be united. Well, those are some of the insights that I gained from reading this book. And again, the book is called Until Unity by Francis Chan. Um, it's one of his more recent books. You can find it on Amazon or a variety of booksellers online. Um, possibly some in-person <laughs> bookstores too. I don't know if Barnes & Noble carries it, but um, I just thought it was a really rich and challenging and robust book, and I wanted to share some of the insights with you um, because I, I think it's really important that we're always pursuing unity in the church. So it's not always an easy thing to do, um, but I think with some of these kind of scriptural reminders that Francis Chan gives us, I think it's something that's possible. The thing that really sticks out for me the most, I think, is just that idea of praying as Jesus prayed. That's probably the biggest thing we can do to pursue unity and really just kind of make any change in the world is just by praying as Jesus prayed. That just has been really sitting with me since I read this book. So if you ever want to give this book a read, um, you can come borrow it from me if you want. If you're um, in Minnesota or in the Twin Cities and coming to Faith Covenant in person, I'd be happy to loan it out to someone. Um, and if anybody does give it a read and wants to talk about it with me, I would be glad for that. So, um, yeah, that's kind of all we have for today. It's a little bit of a different episode, but we'll maybe be doing some more episodes because I've got a lot of books on my bookshelf that are really worth talking about. So um, maybe we'll discuss more of those as time goes on. In the meantime, thanks for watching or listening, and have a wonderful week.